Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and tonight we have two very special guests, Steve Shippey and Cindy Kaza from Discovery's new shock doc, Michigan Hell House, which is now streaming on Discovery Plus and on the Travel Channel. Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good, thanks. Doing good. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to this chat. So let's just get right to it. Your new documentary, Michigan Hell House, is out. It's a part of a series of uh, shock docs that you guys have together now. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying them. Steve, I'm going to start with you. This goes back to a case that you have been involved with for over eight years now, probably. Uh, tell us how you first became involved with this case and the Pomeranian family. Sure. So um, kind of began in an interesting way. Somebody was reaching out to me for quite some time, maybe about a year on and off, saying they had something that they wanted to give me, something I needed to be aware of. Um, of course, it piqued my interest, but without knowing exactly what it was or who the individual was, I just kind of kept putting it off and saying, well, I need to know something uh, before we meet. But I guess persistence pays off. Um, ultimately, I decided to meet this individual and I was handed a box full of uh, police reports and, wow. uh, well, all kinds of reports. After going through and reading some of this, I didn't, I couldn't believe what I was reading. You know, I, I didn't uh, know how to make sense of it. I've never seen police reports obtain this kind of information using this kind of language about the paranormal. And so I started to reach out to some of the officers who had signed these documents and basically just simply said, does this address mean anything to you? And I put the address of the home. Didn't say anything else. And uh, all of them responded right away. I wondered how long it would be before somebody finally reached out. Yes, I was there. Yes, this happened. Wow, that's amazing. Cindy, you like going into these investigations with a clear, you know, objective mind without any prior knowledge. Yeah, at, right. At which point did Steve fill you in on the history of this house and particularly his involvement with this case. Yeah, so I mean, when I do the initial walkthrough, I like to go in totally blind. So I don't research anything on my own. Um, I know that Steve had done a documentary about this before, but the reason I don't uh, like to know anything is because what happens is when you walk into an investigation front-loaded, your mind is already telling telling yeah. yourself a story. And so it's, it's super distracting. It's hard for me mm -hmm. to know what's what, so. Usually what happens is I go in blind, then Steve validates me after and says, well, these are some of the things that we know. This is what you got right. Um, but some of the stuff I don't know until the end, like that's, you know, fully val validated until the end or not validated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if you got a chance to watch how this all began with Steven and his documentary. If you haven't, I highly suggest you watch it. It's really a fascinating story. Now, Steve, you opened this documentary with the quote, this is like the greatest paranormal story you've never heard of. Uh, given the magnitude of what happened to this family in this house, why do you think there was so little attention paid to it until you became involved? Sure. Well, you know, it's an interesting uh, reason behind that. Now, the reason for that is because, number one, the family wanted absolute privacy they you know they were of course you know very upset this was happening to them oh, yeah. they didn't want anybody to know it was happening to them they just wanted it gone no attention no interviews etc uh however beyond that it was looked at as a criminal case 
for the longest time. You know, the family even for the longest time believed that a person or persons were harassing them, stalking them. Law enforcement was actively trying to catch them through mm -hmm. stakeouts, uh, surveillance, other kinds of things. It wasn't until it became clear that it was anomalous or paranormal activity taking place that they uh, started to focus on that. And even then, they wanted no attention, no media attention, what? nothing. And what surprised me, Steve, is this is going back to 1974. I mean, they after all this time of trying to find out who's doing this, they put the word supernatural in the police reports. Uh, that's how frustrated they were that they couldn't come up with a viable person that they actually documented in the police reports that this has to be something supernatural. Now, Cindy, what were your initial impressions when you either arrived at this location or even prior to? Well, when I arrived at the location, the first night of the walkthrough, um, it was really crazy. You know, I could I could really sense that there's a lot of poltergeist activity, like really violent post poltergeist activity. And I could see, um, you know, windows being shattered. Uh, we heard some crazy um, knocks coming from inside the house. And then we really got the craziest EVP that I've ever heard. It hasn't been matched <laughs> to no. this date. That was, you know, terrifying, like my reaction that you're seeing is real. Um, I, I really was very terrified by what we captured on that EVP. And, you know, it was tricky because the first walkthrough was like, I couldn't, I knew there was more to the story. Like I knew there's something with the land and just trying to sort it out. But, you know, you had to go back another time to really get settled into the energy of the space. During the first half of the documentary, you mentioned you're seeing a shape-shifting thing. You couldn't identify it. And you mentioned that that really scared you. Mm -hmm. uh, my question to you is, if an uh, entity, whether it was a human soul or not, if it does not want to make itself known to you, mm -hmm. will you ever know what it is? Is there a way for you to find out what it is? Or if it doesn't want to be known, you're not going to know. I mean, that's a really good question. I think if something doesn't want to be fully known, then it can make itself unknown you know i i i'm still kind of in the space of mediumship um i'm always a student of mediumship right mm -hmm. and so it's interesting when i feel these energies like i said i haven't encountered this before because in the investigation i hadn't encountered something like that before and to try to feel um into this new energy and shape shifting and and honestly I think um, I've learned I'm more afraid of what I don't understand. Yeah. So once I understand what I'm dealing with, it's not as scary. But until then, it's like, what are we dealing with here? And then I was like, thanks, Steve. Thanks for bring bringing me onto this case, <laughs> you know, because it's like. What have you gotten me into? Steve, the nightmare for the Pomeranian started back in 1974, like I just said. And the story goes about a person who lived across the street, supposedly practicing black magic into the occult and so on. In the years that you have invested in this case, in your opinion, what was the catalyst that set this off? Well, you know, I guess at this point, it would be hard pressed for me to believe it was anything else than what you had just said. And, you know, simply because the family had built the house in 51 on land that was passed on by his father to him to start this new family, build a home. They lived there without incident from 1951 to 1974. Mm -hmm. Nothing, never yeah. heard, saw a thing. And when the new person who arrived in the neighborhood came to the house and wanted to buy the house, 
for you know reasons unknown, I guess, and was very persistent. It wasn't until they finally had enough and said, look, it's not for sale. Quit asking. Kindly leave the property. And then that night is when it begins. I mean, that's very coincidental. It is. And it's too much of a coincidence. Cindy, one of the ways that you communicate with the spirits is through automatic writing. Yes. Please uh, explain to our audience, which by the way, there are a lot of people tuning in tonight to watch you guys. I thought I wanted to share <laughs> that you. with you. Uh, explain what automatic writing is and how did it manifest for you for this particular investigation? Well, I mean, automatic writing, um, it's just another way for me to connect to the spirit world. And it's um, a more like fluent or fluid kind of transmission because what's happening is I'm not hearing it and then writing it down it's like coming through me through the pen onto the paper so when you see me work in other you know scenes where i'm having to interpret or hear or see visions and then like try to figure out what does that mean mm -hmm. with automatic writing it's just coming out yeah. so it's super vulnerable because i don't know what's going to come out and i i see it the first time as everybody else sees it so you're kind of just like as a medium you're like well i hope i don't say anything crazy <laughs> you know and so yeah but that's like the risk that you take but it's um it's it's super useful in an investigation for me when i feel really overwhelmed and bombarded with energy um different things hitting me all at once i can really get focused so that's why i use automatic writing nice yeah uh mm -hmm. now steve the, the house is is currently occupied by new people they are having experiences, but the experiences are a little different from what the Pomeranians had in the 70s. How do you explain that? Do you think the, going back to the 70s, Harold, the father, uh, he was being targeted. Therefore, whatever was unleashed there was more vicious. And when he left, it stuck around, but not to the same extent. <clears throat> Yeah, I would say uh, that's exactly my theory. I, I don't know that it was Harold primarily that was targeted. I, I think it was the entire family. You know, I think it was every member of that family because, you know, there's so much information that, of course, you know, you have to condense everything, even to fit into a two-hour shock doc. But, yeah. you know, you got to think there were nearly a thousand reports and, uh, you know, Mabel had been injured uh, as well, the wife, you know, so I think all of them were targeted. And I believe that when they finally vacated that house, that's when the activity stopped being so ferocious. And I think that's why the new family, you know, certainly it's unnerving what they experience, you mm -hmm. know, shadowy figures, things coming up missing, flashes of light, the feeling of being watched. I think for most people, that's that's enough. Uh, yeah. But thank God, it, you know, it, it never reached the levels again that it did during that uh, horrific time frame, 74, 75. Exactly. Now, Cindy, you mentioned poltergeist earlier. Let's talk a second about poltergeist. Uh, Let's do it. Noisy ghost. It's when basically stuff gets moved around without anybody moving it. Uh, there are two, there are several different theories behind poltergeist. Poltergeist mm -hmm. can be caused by a living person that can be nowhere yes. near the location. Okay. It's a, it's a buildup of emotions and energy that sort of, uh manifest themselves in just like telekinesis or something like that and then you have poltergeist that is explained as a spirit picking something up moving it throwing it and whatnot what are your what school of thought are you in when it comes to poltergeist activity i'm all of the above <laughs> because <laughs> because what i've seen in a lot of the investigations um 
you know, that I've, that I've gone on that I've had really, really intense poltergeist activity is there's generally some sort of a psychic imprint left behind. So there's something maybe in the land, uh, maybe it's elemental, who knows, right? Or maybe there's a huge tragedy on the land. So you have this underlying current of just massive psychic imprinting. Then you usually have somebody in the house who is super sensitive or open. In this case, Dwayne. Right? Right, exactly. So you have Dwayne. And then you have, um, you know, whatever was happening with the sending over the energy and conjuring up. And then you have the turmoil in the family. So everything is just feeding off of, you know, off of everything. So, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So, um, you know, I, I, I've found most of the time there's always somebody sensitive and open without under that, that doesn't understand their gifts in the house too. And a lot of family fighting. Absolutely. Steve, uh, I'm, I watch a lot of paranormal investigations and I got to say you bar none have caught some of the most incredible evidence over the years that I have seen, uh, because I think you dedicate the time and energy needed to fully document and investigate these cases with this case in particular, one incident involving a poltergeist, they were using a spirit board that spelled out the word knife. And then moments later, a knife got thrown across the room. I mean, that is something straight out of a horror movie. When people tell you a, a story like that, what goes through your mind? Well, you know, it's very unnerving to say the least, you know, knowing that an officer was present. Um, actually, a professor from a local college was present. There was many eyewitnesses to this. And, uh, you know, it, it sets the tone, I guess, of how dangerous this was for the family you know actions like that the fires the explosions the constant disembodied voices threatening to kill the family and taunting them constantly so whatever it was it had very uh grave intentions for the pomeranians i mean talk about scary there's an another moment where you guys are separated cindy is indoors and steve you're outside with the geoport and steve you hear cindy's name come through the geoport that puts you on high alert. Uh, when something like that happens, what runs through your mind? Is it another uh, spirit energy warning you that Cindy might be in danger? Is it a threat? How did you take this particular instance when you heard her name come through that geoport? You know, in this instance, I kind of took it as a threat personally. I feel that uh, it took me back to the moments of going through all the reports and the audio from the from the 70s and hearing and learning about the family constantly hearing their names being called over and over all night long. And then, of course, it went from just their names to threats of killing them, harming them. And I almost felt like it was, you know, threatening her. Yeah. And I think because of where I was standing, I think it wanted me out of that portal area it wanted to continue doing what it was doing. So I also think it wanted me out of there, uh, not realizing that we were going to come back. So, you know, her being there by herself, I, I really didn't like that at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm right with you on that one. Cindy, uh, you like to use mirrors in your investigations, whether it's scrying or looking beyond the veil. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're looking and you're using mirrors to sort of figure out what's going on, is what you see in your mind's eye or do you visually see it in the mirror 
Yeah. And, and for me, it's like just a point of focus to kind of let everything relax and gaze. And then, then the information starts coming through, usually in my mind's eye or I'm hearing or I'm feeling. So all of the senses are being activated. It's just giving me a focal point. So, yeah, I mean, I guess technically if, if when people talk about scrying or maybe like back in the day, it would be they would be seeing it unfold in front of them with their eyes in the mirror, not in the mind's eye. Yeah. But I, it, it just activates um it activates my mind's eye if that makes sense it yeah it does me... yeah yeah mm-hmm. so what kind of protection do you do before you go to uh, a location whether it be this one or another one to protect yourself that something doesn't follow you home doesn't you don't get attacked and just try to like i said protect yourself as much as you can <laughs> yeah you know um I'm one of those mediums who doesn't like to walk in into any situation in fear, you know, because I mean, while some of the things that we encounter are very scary, um, I always walk in with faith. I, I believe in God. I'm just like, I got this. I walk in. And then when I leave, if I feel off, I have somebody who does energy clearing for me. She's like a wizard. She's a shaman. She gets in there, cleans stuff out. But I also um, sometimes I don't know when something's followed me home. And that's the truth. I mean, I don't I don't always know. And just to, if I can share a really quick story of something Absolutely. that happens. Um, so I, it wasn't from this investigation. It was from a different investigation um, that I was on. I had come home and I have a really good friend in Indonesia who's a medium. Uh, she didn't know where I was filming. She knew nothing. And she called me on WhatsApp and she was like, hey, um, I think somebody, something's followed you home. And wow. I was like, okay. She's like, it's a woman. And she goes, my brother drew this woman. Can I show you? Because her brother draws spirits. So they, she sent me a snapshot of this picture, and it was the exact picture of the woman from history that we had investigated in the house. Holy but they, they wouldn't know that they're yeah. in Indonesia. Like they have no, they didn't even know where we were. We were filming. Wow. Like this isn't even public knowledge. So it's, I mean, I guess the the reason I'm telling you this is because like mediums, we don't always know when something's followed us, especially mm-hmm. with me, where when I'm, you know, going about my daily life, I'm not talking to spirits all the time. So yeah. I'm not trying to pay, pay attention to that. People so think, yeah, people yeah. think that just because you're a medium 24-7, you're constantly in tune with everything. No, you yeah. lead a normal life just like everybody else. You just have this mm-hmm. extra sense, an extra ability that you have that really is a gift. Uh, Steve, let's talk about the two brothers for a second, Terry and Dwayne. Sure. Uh, you've known them for a long time now. Have they Have their lives been permanently altered by what happened to them in their childhood? There's no question about that. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. I mean, I've known them going on a decade now, and we talk a lot. <clears throat> you know, we talk frequently throughout the year. Um, I even stop by and see them on holidays, things of that nature. So it's, you know, well beyond just uh, investigating the case, so to speak. But it's something that, you know, I don't think we can ever have a conversation where all of this doesn't get retalked about. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's always on their mind. It's always in their heart. Um but I do think after this last investigation, there's a there's more peace. That much I can tell you. You know, I can I can see it. I can sense it when I talk to them. I feel that uh, that there's more relief than I've seen yet. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's um it's ingrained in them. It truly is. And I feel like not only the trauma of what they saw, what happened to them, but I think a lot of it is what they saw their parents go through, yeah. and they attribute their early deaths to all the stress and the happenings from that experience. You could really see the emotions on their face when you played back that audio tape and the documentary of their dad. And 
I think you even mentioned in the documentary, it was both sad and a blessing to hear their father's voice again. Cindy, before we go, I'm going to leave the last question to you. Being a medium uh, and people who have paranormal experiences say, well, if it can do that, why can't, I mean, who knows what else it can do? A very simple question that does not have a simple answer. Can a spirit cause you physical harm to the point where it can possibly kill you? Like that knife incident that we talked about with Steve, that knife could have been thrown at somebody. Can that happen? Yes, I mean, I totally think it can happen. You know, but I think even more kind of insidious is knowing that, you know, how spirit kind of can get into the minds of people and manipulate the psychology and that can become even more dangerous in my personal opinion, because exactly. it's, it's people, people don't always understand, like, is it me? Is it, is it spirit? You know? So it, it makes people crazy. Spirits can make people crazy and that can happen. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the malevolent ones really enjoy watching, torturing people mm -hmm. and just scaring the crap out of them. I want to thank mm -hmm. the both of you so much. These, wow. This 20 minutes just flew by. Again, guys, the, it's called Michigan Hell House. It's a new shock doc from Discovery. It's available now, streaming on Discovery Plus and on the Travel Channel. Check out this shock doc. Check out their previous one, which is on the flight uh, 401, about the flight that went down in the Florida Everglades, and they have many more before that as well. Thank you so much to our guests, Steve Shippey and Cindy Kaza. Looking forward to the next one, guys. Uh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I want to thank all our audience, those of you who are tuning in live and those who will be watching this later on. On behalf of Steve, Cindy, and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.